May my words be faithful to the written word and bring us closer to the living word, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to begin by thanking, in his absence, Richard, but also Dennis, for brokering the invitation from Richard and from all of you to preach today. There's a great delight in being able to go on tour, to minister at a different lectern or pulpit or altar. Six months ago, the altar I was standing behind was a large lump of rock under a blue sky, warm Greek day, in the ruins of Corinth. Every time I moved my foot, there was that thought. I wonder if Paul trod here, this piece of ground, this dust on this spot. And during that service in Corinth, when I read the gospel, I knew that certainly within the general area, if not even possibly in that very place, St. Paul had proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed Christ's good news in the same place. I was wearing for that service an alb, that's the long white robe, um, which I'd inherited from a family member, an experienced priest who in the months after my ordination had managed to pass on some great wisdom and also some very lovely vestments um, before he died. And standing on my left was Father Kevin, who some of you will know, the vicar of St. Michael's. And standing on my right um, was Mother Nicola, who had been the curate of St. Michael's 15 years ago, my predecessor, so in curate's terms, for myself and Mother Nicola to be at the same service, that's like one of those episodes of Doctor Who where he has to team up with his past self. It was one of those moments that strike us as giving us a palpable sense of history currently shaping the reality we inhabit. A point where the past seems to be giving its bl the present its blessing to build the future. At the very end of the film, Return of the Jedi, that's the third and final of the proper Star Wars films, Luke Skywalker looks out into the night and sees the shimmering ghosts of his Jedi predecessors looking fondly at him. They're pleased with the work he's done. They're confident in him. They're and they're confident that thanks, for the, thanks to the support he'd given them, the future they've worked for is in safe hands with him. Of course, sometimes, as with the Corinthians in today's reading, we do need to be mindful of, we need reminding of, uh, to be mindful of our place in history, of those who've come before us and, and our place in their line of succession. We stand on the shoulders of giants, the Christians of Corinth, as indeed two millennia later we can say as the Christians of Chiswick, all the way back, a part of a spiritual lineage which stretches all the, way, all the way back to those Israelites Paul talked about in the desert. There's a temptation, whether, whether it's in the outlook we have on life, the jobs that we do, the hobbies we have, the way we live with our families, the ways we go to church, there's a temptation to act as if we invented what we're doing, as if nobody had ever done it before. We behave as if it's a complete novelty. 
It's almost as if we forget what's gone before us. We disregard the shoulders that hold us up and pretend we're doing everything off our own bat, balancing not so much on the shoulders of giants or, as we may pretend, on a solid scaffold of personal innovation and resourcefulness. But we're actually standing, when we do that, on flimsy stilts of arrogant pride and naive self-promotion, which is an especially precarious place to be if you're going to try throwing out a baby with some bathwater. That we can sit in this church today and read through Paul's letter to the Corinthians as if it were a letter to us demonstrates that we didn't invent what we do. For me as an Anglican priest, the words of the Eucharistic rite we're using today place me in direct communion with my grandfather and my great-grandfather who used the same words at their altar. Think about those shimmering ghosts of the Jedi looking on at Luke Skywalker. And as members of the Church of England, for those of Yes, as members of the Church of England, to worship within a Church of England building. These words bind us in a line of succession which goes all the way back to the Reformation. And as Christians, generally, the Eucharist ties us back to our brothers and sisters in Christ through the past two millennia. And if we call ourselves the people of the God of Abraham, we find in that Eucharistic rite elements of the Passover which take us back to the Jewish people who go back a long way before. We're standing on the shoulders of some very ancient giants. But St. Paul, never one to turn down the opportunity for a good, solid admonishment, cautions the Corinthians and ourselves to be mindful that the legacy of our ancestors is only going to take us so far. It's very easy when a group or a person who have been consigned to history to simplify the pictures we paint of them. We limit the color palette we have to what's in our memory. The the brushstroke of our vocabulary becomes a broad one. And so we often fail to capture the nuances and complexities, and in doing so fail to clock that these people, these ancestors we're doting on, were just as human and susceptible to fault as any of the rest of us. In standing on the shoulders of giants, we can actually see just a little bit further than they can. And with that extra headroom, we have the additional view of the hazards and obstacles they may have missed. The ancestors who built our churches also built workhouses. They built the slave trade. The ancestors who developed our rituals and liturgies also developed some of the most horrific instruments of war, torture, and death. The ancestors who set codes of doctrine which have enriched our spiritual wealth, they also set codes which bound and restricted the material and social livelihoods of the most vulnerable. The ancestors on whose legacy we seek to grow in virtue weren't without their vices. Luke Skywalker looks out amongst his Jedi ancestors and sees there his father, Darth Vader. And we can be pretty sure that our descendants will quickly pick up on our failings too. 
And so as Paul is also very, very clear, if we're to be mindful of our place in history, we need to exercise great discernment. And Paul refers to this time when the Israelites, in their desert wanderings, were complaining, which people so often do when they go to church together. And to resolve this complaining, Moses struck this rock with his staff and water gushed from its side for them to drink. An incident that happens twice, once in Exodus and once again in Numbers. And so one particular Jewish tradition, tradition itself being when we keep an eye to history as we reverse into the future, the tradition taught that it was the same rock that had been following the Israelites round through the wilderness for when they needed it to provide them with God's abundance. And Paul is following on, it seems, in that tradition, extending it, and in doing so, linking the people of Corinth to the Israelites in the wilderness all those centuries back. The rock that gave spiritual sustenance to the ancestors was, says Paul, Christ continuing to feed the Corinthian church, refreshing them continually with the outpouring of God's grace like water gushing from a rock, like blood and water spilling from the the side of the pierced man on the cross. The divine nourishment which fed the Israelites continued to feed the Corinthians, and it continues to feed us too. The Christ who gives us our strength is the same Christ who gave strength to the Corinthians. And the God who is faithful to us is the same God who is faithful in the wilderness. Christ's revelation doesn't finish when the last page of the Bible closes. It continues. The rock continues to follow us through the wilderness. Its side streaming, abundant, gushing. As we sang life-imparting, heavenly manner, stricken rock with streaming side. And the rock, Paul tells us, was Christ. As our Lord's sacrifice reoccurs on our altar, his body broken and blood poured into the chalice to feed us, we join with the disciples in the upper room at the Last Supper, with the church in Corinth, With prophets, saints, desert fathers, martyrs, popes and reformers, we enter into communion with Christ and in doing so unite as one church with those who have also shared in word and sacrament through the ages. With our ancestors, with those who built our churches and those who shaped our faith, those who filled our roles before us, those across the world and those in the next parish. And as we, set at our point in history, share in this spiritual sustenance of the eternal God, there are those who will yet stand on our shoulders. Because being mindful of our place in history means acknowledging not only the past but the future, the church yet to come, whatever it may look like, which will inherit the examples we build from, And who may stand on our shoulders and see just that little bit further than we do. Sharing in the spiritual food that flows from the side of Christ as they find their altars in the dusty ruins of the Corinth we leave behind.